0: This is an ohs.com.au production. Welcome to Episode 5 of the Australian Health and Safety Business Podcast. I'm Brendan Tarazzi, the founder of OHS.com.au and we're on a mission to build Australia's first health and safety marketplace. Today I'm here with Susan Whitler from AlertForce. How are you, Sus?
1: I'm well, thanks, Brendan.
0: Great to have you on the show. So I thought today we'd just talk a little bit about what you do and uh, what AlertForce does and um, how you got into health and safety. Tell us a little bit about your journey, how you arrived here.
1: Okay, so um, a number of years back, I was doing a marketing contracting role with another firm um, and I just basically had a bit of extra time and was looking for a, a little extra income. so I started at Alert Force in a very basic marketing role as a sideline to my major role, and things just developed from there, so worked my way around Alert Force for a number of years. And now basically run all of the training. Um, yeah, so my actual role now is basically say, oversee all of the private training um, for the company um, nationally, as well as coming up with new ideas for training um and yeah, management of the, our trainers, and just overseeing all the general day to day aspects of the business.
0: Okay, cool. And um, had you had much exposure to health and safety beforehand? Zero. What? Surely, in the because uh, you're in the food business, weren't you? Or
1: yeah, but again, on the marketing side. So marketing people don't really care about that side <laughs> of the business. So no, absolutely no contact with WHS whatsoever.
0: Okay, and how yeah. are things how have things changed for you over the last few years?
1: Over the last few years, um, well, we've sort of changed our business, like, focus. We're really um, focused on having uh, uh, a business, It was very niche business, um, a number of, like, just, like, really solid corporate clients who have continual, like, a lot of um, ongoing training requirements in WHS. We want to be that... You know that one RTO that can look after all training needs so I think that that's changed before I think we were more we trained everywhere like we did a huge amount of training but I don't think we were as focused on client retention um and you know and just like repeat business so now I think we run a, a much more streamlined business with um just uh well it's us you know with a particular clients as I said who have like lo- a lot of training needs so we're you know, really trying to provide, the, be the one stop shop for training for our clients. For yeah,
0: okay. And so, um, tell me about some of the different places that you get to send trainers. Okay. What are the more sort of unusual? Uh, well, the most that you
1: interesting have? ones I think are. Um, more in the HSR, well, actually, not just HSR training. Um, I think like that um, remote locations, definitely. Last year, we sent a trainer. He was in um, Gove in the Northern Territory and Arnhem Land for 10 days. Um, he trained a group of around 20 Indigenous people, um, they went through about five or six courses. The trainer actually um, was, like, in Arnhem Land and slept on a swag for, you know, seven nights of that um, training and, like, they they just find it extremely rewarding um, to be able to work with Indigenous people as such and, you know, just like the whole experience. Another one was um, recently we had sent a trainer up to Papua New Guinea and he was there again for 10 days and that was interesting. We had to hire security armed dog trans- um, transport, you know, um, between the various training locations. And again, you know, that, that was training um, Indigenous people in Papua New Guinea and many of them... Uh, had um literacy problems so the trainer actually designed his own slides so he could actually show these to the people he was training because they couldn't understand our normal program which is all written content so again you know that kind of training is really really rewarding it's funny isn't it
0: you you're delivering health and safety training and yet you almost have to you know, take on, uh, take out some. You know, assess the risks. I guess. Well, you in some you of these do. Places.
1: Yeah, you do have to assess the risks. Absolutely, and you know, and that particular training in, um, in Papua New Guinea, it was really touch and go as to whether we would send the trainer or not at that time because there was a travel warning at that particular time for civil unrest in one of the locations where the trainer was going to.
0: So, are these like local companies or Australian government? Or? Um,
1: look, we the those particular ones are mainly um, Australian government and also, like, state governments. Um, we also deal with, like, councils, local businesses as well. Um,
0: so, yeah. So, so, say, with that PNG stuff, is it the client that makes the ultimate call or is it the alert force that makes the call or is it a combination of both?
1: With that one, it was... the tra- Look, it was probably a combined uh, between us and the trainer... You know, as to whether that were to go ahead.
0: Yeah. 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 Cool. And <clears throat> obviously, happy ending on that.
1: Very happy ending. <laughs> and I tell you, they love that trainer. They, you know, like they just said, like the, the effort, also like training in these difficult situations. Um, and then also the effort that gets put in there. And, you know, like they, abs- you know, it's just very w- rewarding. And as I said, the feedback from that client is just amazing. So.
0: So, so why do you think with these remote locations that companies would, <clears throat> I don't know, choose not a local company, is it just not the, the availability or, or what, think, what's the story behind I that? I think
1: what it is, it's that we basically have a, such a broad spectrum of things that we can train in. So particularly the, the job in Gove, I mean, we put them through, there would have to have been seven or eight different um, courses that they did in that. 10 day period so and so it's easier just to obviously to have one training company who can come in and train on as many things as possible because it's very difficult to schedule training like a you know a whole week or two two week block it's very difficult for them to get all of their people together and they've also got to get them to turn up every day so I think it's just easier for them to do as much training as possible. Um, at once, at one time.
0: And what are the – like with a client like that, what are they actually trying to achieve? Is it job outcomes or –
1: Well, in that particular case, that's a little bit different, that one. So they're a a company in the Northern Territory who have a lot of building projects um, and they basically – they that because the northern territory government it's all about um you know jobs for indigenous people so it's just about like getting them up to speed getting the, the qualifications and then they go into programs of trainees for this particular company in the northern territory
0: okay cool yeah. so so it's kind of to upskill it's to up, upskill up,
1: up- upskilling and like and, and employment you know like most of those people had, had didn't hadn't worked at all. So this was their opportunity to actually be able to um, gain employment.
0: So you've mentioned, you've talked a little bit about the remote locations. What about, where do you see sort of the bulk of training um, taking place and what sort of things does Alert Force offer on a a weekly basis, I guess? Okay,
1: so the bulk of our training would be Sydney, Brisbane and Melbourne. Um, And, you know, weekly we offer all aspects of asbestos, training in all of those locations um, we also offer you know um hsr training nationally so um, we have a large contract at the moment um, with the government department and that training goes on nationally so there'll be training every week probably for the rest of the year um, all over australia there um, and we also offer we also regularly have um um, traffic track control training going on. We have a bit of that lined up in the next month or so. Um, and, again, that's mainly in Sydney um, where we're doing the traffic control training.
0: So are you seeing that clients are being proactive or do you think that it's still more reactive? What What, what are some of the reasons why well, I think companies go for I, health and safety training? I
1: think it depends on the particular client. I mean, we deal with, like, some clients... Um, particularly councils and they look they have looked at their entire workforce um for the next year and they've already allocated for the next year who needs which training so when you're dealing with that i mean it's just you know they've got their whole year planned for training but then you have you know down to the other end of the spectrum with small business who so they get a job and they quickly need to have everybody trained and it had to have been done yesterday so and i think that we're we've been we're pretty flexible in that we gen- 80% of – 90% of the time we can accommodate last-minute training requests yeah. like that. So it really we, – we get both ends of the spectrum, um, sort of the reactional but then those who are planning in advance for their training.
0: So asbestos removal is kind of a curious one because it's been – I think the new course came in around 2013 – Mm-hmm. Is it still is there still much of a demand for it?
1: There is. I just think with the you know, particularly in New South Wales, like you know, with I mean, it is a city under constant construction. Um, so, and I do think that employers are really aware of asbestos. Um, related issues in construction industry so I think that employers now are far more proactive in the past um, we've done a lot of asbestos awareness training this year so it's not necessarily people who work with asbestos it might be just people who work in a building or just on a certain project and employers they just want their people to have like at least a basic awareness of, um, you know, um, what to do if you do come into contact with asbestos or, to, you know, just to have, like, that general awareness because, I mean, we ha- we do see some, you know, large issues in the news and so I do think from that we have had, a, like, like I said, a lot of more employers, they're far more responsible now and looking after their staff and, yeah. So I do think that, the yeah, the, the demand for asbestos training continues.
0: Yeah, I guess asbestos is one of those silent killers in a way because it's
1: absolutely what,
0: you know if someone comes into contact with it it might be 20 30 years before they absolutely. know so absolutely my i i'm thinking that maybe in uh, companies are thinking that they, you know they've got a duty of care under the WHS Act. and I
1: do think that I do think so. I, and, and particularly when we do see stories in the news about asbestos, I do think it does trigger companies into action, like that they do have a duty of care um, and, as I said, just as a, a minimum just to provide that asbestos awareness training for their stuff. I think we've seen a lot of that this year.
0: And is there much correlation between when news articles come out and the level of work or I know um, there was a big blow-up earlier in the year with one of the councils? We
1: did have a roll-on effect from that council um, uh, and I, I don't think, I mean, councils don't tend to do things very quickly but so what I have seen from that which I think started at the end of last year we actually did a lot of training for that council and we did have a roll on effect to some others but I'm finding even now as we head towards the end of the year we're still getting a lot of inquiry from councils about asbestos training and um, so I do think it is definitely on council's radar making sure um, that they have everyone trained with the appropriate level of training.
0: The wheels turn slowly, but they definitely turn.
1: Yeah, eventually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's yep. good
0: to. I mean, it's good to see that so many companies out there are doing the right thing and Absolutely. educating their staff. I guess education's key, right? Definitely. Okay, excellent. Well, I've got a few more questions here for you, Susan. Um, any sort of, uh, big issues, or what are the sort? What are the sorts of things that you're? You know, you're getting feedback on on the phone from people ringing in that.
1: Um, gee, a curly one. Big issues. Look, look with our with our particular clients, I don't think. Other than the, the councils and the, that issue with the asbestos, which has been going on all year, I, I don't think that we have feedback on big issues as such. It's just more about you know, making sure that they're, as you said, you know, they they have got all their ducks in a row, they do have all of their staff trained, Um, you know.
0: Just keeping on on top of it, really. Keeping
1: on top of it, you know. I mean, I had one council who approached us, you know, like, maybe just two months ago and this is in the opposite end of the spectrum this is not a council who knows everybody's training requirements for the next couple of years who basically contacted and asked and said okay we think we need to put some people through a traffic course so we organized the traffic course and then there was another 20 for another traffic course and then another 20 for another and all of these people were on expired um Um, licenses so and then from there they went on and they realized that we also did asbestos training so then they started to look at that and so that has started to roll on again as well so that's at the other end of the spectrum where they're just like everyone's qualifications are expired yeah nobody has the right training so and then they just get into this big mess and then we like do loads of training to get them up to speed so Yeah, so we do...
0: Sounds like they might have been coming up for some kind of, I don't know, quality accreditation or...
1: Could be. Oh, oh, I think maybe in that case. I think they'd had a number of changes in their human resources department. Yeah. So, and then the, the the lady who's actually had taken over now was just like basically just sat there and just went through everything to get every single person in the council up to speed. So... They, so, they definitely face those issues, you know.
0: So what would be the general best practice around how often people should get retrained? What What, what are your thoughts Look, on that?
1: With asbestos training, there is no specific requirement in New South Wales. However, um, best practice states, you know, every three years. And really, I mean, you know, like it, it, things change out there and, um, yeah, so... <laughs> That is, yeah, the guide is three years as best practice.
0: And then I think in Victoria they may... It's compulsory compulsory and that's every two years in Victoria. So it's it's actually quite confusing if you've got a national company. It it is. You really do need to get the right advice. It is and it's
1: quite... Well, I actually am organising some training today for a national company who we basically have retrained their guys in one state and they were going to retrain them and they've just made the decision that they're just going to retrain everybody every three years because it is too confusing and it puts them into a risk area if they overlook, for example, Victoria, where it is compulsory. So they've basically just decided that they will retrain nationally every two years. So, And, again, it is best practice and it is such an issue... You yeah. know, as an employer, they want to make sure that, you know, their staff do know.
0: And it know. really doesn't make sense to have one part of your company at a certain, you know, upskilled to a certain standard and then the Absolutely. other states around the country, well, we just won't worry about them. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Well, it sounds like there's plenty of um, businesses out there being pretty proactive really
1: i i think so and i think absolutely and i've also noticed what's great and something that we do specifically back to this asbestos so we recently did some training for a a very large company and you know so they had a number of people in one state um this is just for the asbestos awareness just for their building staff who look after buildings and properties and but then sort of like it, they didn't really have enough in the other states so then they're able to just purchase that course online. So it isn't quite as, you know, um, uh, it isn't quite as good, I would say, as yeah. like having an actual trainer <laughs> on site but, but, but at
0: least they've got some level of education. And some and level
1: of education, you yeah, know, which yeah. is – and that is just a fantastic thing for employees to be able to do as well, to be able to assess people who can't get to a course to at least to be able to provide an online version.
0: Yeah, fantastic. All right, well, we're going to uh, wrap it up now. I've got just a few personal questions for you. Um, no, I'm not really meant to do this, but could I ask how old you are? Oh,
1: not a day over forty.
0: Aka day. We'll accept that. Um, what do you like to do to keep fit? <laughs>
1: uh, well, this is a, the I'm not. Used to be a fitness fanatic, but this winter I've very struggled. So, and I've been very lazy. So, it's now September. So, it will be back to daily walking. I'm lucky enough to live near the beach and Centennial Park. So, I'll be on that coastal walk in Centennial Park every day. From now on
0: <laughs> Well done <laughs> uh, How many hours sleep do you get on average?
1: Oh, a lot About maybe 10 hours 10 hours That's yes. amazing Yeah I love That's sleep
0: That is very, very good So <laughs> do you uh, have a bedtime or
1: Mid- Yeah, I do Like midweek Unless I get taken out by my girlfriends Which is does happen I like to get to bed about 9.30 yep. um, Yeah, midweek um, Like to like keep fresh And um, yeah And weekends Well, that just all goes out the back door
0: Yep yeah, you bank it during the week, and then, I bank yep. it. <laughs> okay, awesome. Um, what personal goals do you have in the next twelve months? That you're okay, to well, the next
1: twelve months is, um, you know, like from work point of view, like to continue growing the business. Um, at you know, maybe in, you know, I mean, I feel that we're handling our cover, cover, current level of business really, really well. So, it's sort of like to take that to the next um, level. Um, so that's like sort of business wise. And then personally, um, yeah, next year, um, very happy with home arrangements, all of that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I've got a couple of like good travel things in my, yeah, lined up for the next 12 months. So, pretty excited Excellent. about that. Excellent. Sound, sounds yeah.
0: like you've got a, a good balance happening there.
1: That is the plan. Yeah.
0: Okay, so if the listeners want to learn a little bit more about what Alert Force do, mm-hmm. um, where can they find you?
1: Okay, so basically they can call us um, in the office on one eight hundred nine hundred triple two, 900 or send through, have a look at our, our website which is alertforce.com.au or they can email us um, to training at alertforce.com.au or yeah, so That's it. Sounds
0: like a few touch points there. Fantastic. Absolutely. All right, Susan, thanks very much for coming okay. in today.
1: thanks, Brendan.